Hi, this is Mark from Chakra, and you listen to Focus on Metal. Hey, it's Scott here. Richie. Welcoming you to yet another episode of Focus on Metal. Got an interesting one this week as uh, we've had, you know, producers and artists and all directing all kinds of people on the show, but we've never had an actual road crew guy unless you count me doing sound company and local crew. So technically, yeah, but uh, I guess we could actually make this a little more finite. We've never had an artist liaison on the show. Yes, we have never had an artist liaison. And and it's interesting because, you know, in the interview, um, you're talking to him and, you know, he has this whole thing about, you know, he got paid to hang out with rock stars. And I'm thinking to myself, that was like one of the jobs I just never wanted to have was to be the artist liaison. It's it's almost like you're captive. I think in a lot, there's another term that he, he even uses himself as a runner. Yep. At times, he's the guy yep. that runs and gets stuff. Yep. Um, anything. Yep. And he gets into the anythings. Yeah. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was definitely, and granted, you know, here, Boston area, like a lot of places around the country too, this is, you know, there's most of the halls and everything are union. So there's, you know, there's definitely halls you kind of get shut out of working on. Yeah. I just, I would always, I was happier humping things in and rigging lights and doing all kinds of other things and, and like running no didn't just like nope didn't want to do that i was i was happier also because everything else i was doing was more on the technical side too you know where, where that isn't and it's just yeah i just was like again it's like you're you're captive and and it's not like he had a pretty decent experience overall which was great but sometimes you saw people that would just get treated like shit as well, which is like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to have anything to do with we that. Then there's a bit of that too, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it is it is interesting, and uh, yeah, I mean, it can definitely be uh, hard work. And I used to tell anybody too that was new, it was like, especially you know, local crew guys. I would always tell them, first thing tomorrow morning when the banks open get there and cash your check that morning and this was you know before atms and stuff but it was always get there because guaranteed if you're one of the last guys more than likely the money's not going to be there anymore like it's going to run out so get there first thing in the morning or you're probably going to be screwed because <laughs> i know lots of people that yeah they would do a they do like a gig especially if it was like the last show of of a run and you get to the bank the next day and it was like no there's no money no <laughs> like, yeah but you got to hang around great. with rock stars oh yeah great so there's your reward <laughs> But yeah, but interesting. So you talked to Wendell Smith, just that was very good because I could remember his name because it was easy. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just it was it was interesting. Just as kind of a like an old school guy and and uh, uh, like a large variety of people that he got to work with as well. And it was interesting because you know he talks about like um, uh, Thirty Eight Special, which I worked for them on their tour de force tour. And uh, yeah, they were they were actually a great band to work with. They were really good. They gave um, um, my buddy Jeff at the time. They gave him all their drum heads, like brand new oil filled heads that had been used for one show, the the show before that. And it was like, yeah, here you go. And for years he, he played those those heads for years. And now what did the bands do with them? They sell them. They do, yeah. But then it was a case of of uh, 
you know, play it and, oh, oh, great. We got someone who knows how to do, you know, change out heads and all that stuff. Great. Okay. Hey, hey, go ahead and do that. And you can have all the old ones. Great. I'll do it. So, uh, yeah, that was, hell yeah. He had those. He probably still has them. I don't, he hasn't, hasn't used them anymore, but yeah, he used them for years. He used those heads. I remember years ago, I used, when I was going to gigs, 16, 17, 18, we're all kids. This road, he'd walk up on stage and go, with the guitar. (laughs) (laughs) I look back on it now, I'm like, what a fucking idiot you were. (laughs) But uh, this was unusual as well, because Wendell reached out to me. Uh, He sent me a message. He's he's on the Facebook page as a commenter all the time. He comments on a lot of things. Oh, cool. And he reached out to me, sent me a message saying, oh, I've been, I was in the business for years. Mm. Uh... I, w- I worked many years in the House of Blues in, in Florida. I've got a lot of stories. Yeah. So this was before Christmas. And um, so I hit him up and I asked him, would he, would he, did he want to come on and talk about it? Because I'm always interested in the, this is not unusual, but when you look at the, the guests that we have on the show, it's different. Yeah. I, I'm, I always want the different. Yeah, yeah. Um, to bring a new perspective to it. And what he, his side of the, of the business and what he did. It fast, it's always fascinated me because, and I even said it to him in the interview, I always want to know who the pricks are <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and who treated you like shit. Earl Slick. <laughs> <laughs> and and we, we get into that. Um, I, I didn't interview him for over two months. I, I Personal life, work, the usual yeah. shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, a lot um, of shit going on. And uh, I, I I kept saying, look, and I, I think I rescheduled it once or twice. I was scheduled to talk to him on a Friday night and something came up and I couldn't do it. And then I rescheduled again. And then I said, listen, I will call. Mm. And I did. And I spent about an hour and a half on the phone with him. And the other thing that was unusual about this, uh, I knew nothing about him. Yeah. Nothing. I couldn't research anything about the right. guy. Right, yeah. And you can probably tell in in the interview, like the way I I talked to him a little bit about certain bands. What about this band? Did they come through? Like I didn't know, you know. So he'd go somewhere, and then I'd run yeah. with it. Um, I had some general questions I wanted to ask him, but really nice guy. Uh, another one of these guys that that had the idea that I, I want to get involved in the business. I know I'm not a musician. I know I'm not going to make it that way. But there's other ways I can be. Yep. In it, yeah, and get my kicks out of it, yep. and that was the way he was able to do it, yeah. And he he had a for the most part he had a great time doing it, yeah, 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 definitely. And and it's um the thing too is I mean with the House of Blues too that's you know it's a smaller venue too because yeah definitely if you're working the bigger venues a lot of times you know being a runner is actually a lot more involved too especially like some of the the big outdoor sheds and stuff like that. But yeah, again, I was like, ah, God, I would not want to have been a runner. I was I was happier with anything else they asked me to do besides that. Well, the one thing about doing that job, I, in my opinion, you never really know what the, what's going to happen from one day to the next because everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Like if you go into your normal job, you have a fair idea what you're going to be doing. Yeah, sorta. Of. So, well, yeah, <laughs> but with being a runner, you've got different bands coming through, have different needs. You do, yep. Different egos. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> and you're, you're, you know, you're dealing with all of that. Like, right. If you're in your job, for the most part, it's a controlled environment. You know, mm-hmm. everyone who's who's, yep. who's around you, you work with them every day in day out. Yeah. When you're dealing with bands coming through, it's 
you know, it, it, it is, and, and depending on the level, and yeah, it, it 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 can be it can be different, and yeah, it can be different every day, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even just for the other stuff too, because you don't know, you know, how much stuff you're going to hang. Are they prepared for things? It's it's yeah, that can be different too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just an just different. Yeah. Um, I don't normally get hit up by people who either listen to the show or are are on the Facebook page about things like this. But I was I said, come on. Yeah. Let's ch- let's chat. Yeah. And he did. All right. And what do you say we listen to it? Yeah. Hello. Is that Wendell? Yes. It's Richie. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm all right. Don't be nervous. This is not an interview. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Sure. This is going to be interesting because normally with people I have on, I can research them and I know something about their music and whatever. With you, I don't know anything. So, <laughs> so it's going to be... All I, all I have to go on is you said that you used to be you were a sound engineer and an artist liaison. Mm-hmm. Right? So which one was first? Um, well, I started out running sounds um, for like local bands up around Charlotte, okay. and um, I, I ended up moving to Myrtle Beach and found out that House of Blues was going to open up in '97. So. Um, in Charlotte, I worked at a little tiny club and just, you know, like running people around and, you know, getting them this and getting them that, you know, nothing, nothing really, you know, official. But um, I, um, I ended up turning that into a, an actual job at House of Blues. Um, and, and, and the industry, they, had, they mostly call them the runner. You know, that's the one that you go get this and go get that. And, um, but I basically, just as a joke at first, created my own job plan. I called myself the artist liaison. And, and actually, it stuck. So <laughs> that's what it became. Okay. So in, so you went to college and did sound, or, or was it something you did on the side that you just picked up from people? Well, there was there was a, a couple of courses at the local community college sure, that myself and my, my buddies took. And we just kind of, you know, learned the basics there. And once we started doing it, we... we we basically learned it on our own. Okay. Okay. So, so how do you end up then getting a job in a club? Because they'd have to test you, right? You can't just walk in and say, look, I've done this course, give me a job kind of a thing. Like, you have to have a leg up. Someone's got to give you a chance. Well, I, and the one place it was, was I was working at a place called Network in Charlotte. Um, I went to the door and, and, and took tickets and like that. That's basically how I got in with them. And, um, and I learned all the you know, ins and outs of the production, um, you know, the stage production stuff, just by watching it and ended up, you know, helping out. And, and that's really how it started. Okay. So what's the first big band, name band, that you did sound for? Um, let's see. It's going to be pretty special. Okay, and when was that in Myrtle Beach? No, that was at the Richmond Coliseum in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. That was in 85. 85, wow. 85. Right, you're going way back then. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told you I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me back then in, in, in 85 when you started. Um, who was the guy in the band, or, or, or was it the tour manager who would be coming to you with, this is what we want, these are what levels we want? Was it always nearly one guy that did it? It was, yeah, mostly the stage manager um, took care of that. Okay. Um, and they would, what they would do, they would, give, they would give you a list 
of things that they need for the day. Like, you know, the drummer might need new drum picks or drum heads or it could be anything, you know, and anything from to like catering stuff for their buses. Okay. You know, so it was, it was pretty much, it was a, you know, it was a, on a busy day, I'd be at Walmart for like two or three hours. <laughs> really? It was, it could be, like I said, it could be just getting anything. And it also included like picking up the bus drivers, you know, at the end of the night, make sure they get back to the show to get to, you know, to pick them up. And, um, I mean, it could just, it could just be anything. <laughs> okay. And how much interactions back then would you have with any of the band members, if at all? Oh, a lot, because I was right there with them, you know, and they would, you know, some of them, you know, personally, hey, you know, hey, man, when you're going out, would you give me this? You know, would you give me that? Yeah. So, yeah, I met, I met pretty much everybody. Okay. And did, did it get to the stage over the years where the band had come back and they'd remember who you were? Oh, lots of times, yeah, definitely. And there's even a few times where they were what they called the rider. And what that is, they send a list ahead of time to the venue that they're playing in, things that they need. Like, they, sometimes, you know, they don't travel with every, all their gear, so they don't need a keyboard or, you know, just need something for the stage and stuff like that. And, and there'd be times when they would list, you know, specifically that they wanted me there. Wow, that was that was that was a pretty good ego boost. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. If, if they're asking for you, you've obviously done something right in the past. Mm, at least, and it made me look good to the corporate too. <laughs> mm. So, one of one of the coolest things that ever happened was um, the first week we were open, we had the Beach Boys, and um, I mean those guys, those guys were legends. You know, the Beach Boys. That's just you know they're gonna be remembered forever, and. Um, I drove around back there, you know, back and forth from the to the hotel for my sound check and after the show and all that. And the next day, um, I was, I was actually, I was, I just moved down there, so I was still staying at my mom's house. And anyway, the next day, I'd come home from somewhere, and my mom said, you're not going to leave the call here today looking for you. And it turned out it was Mike Love, the lead singer of the Beach Boys, called me personally to tell me thank you for taking care of us. Wow. I was like, that's what I said, wow. Because <laughs> sometimes you think, right, these bands all have big egos. and I'm not saying you guys are, you know, beneath them or anything like that, but they're going to all these venues, they're in and out and all that, and sometimes it's like, okay, you know, it's the same every day, you know, more or less same routine and all that. that right. You know, it, it's kind of a blur to them. And the fact that they go out of their way to do that, because they're in and out. Like, they don't really have to do that. No, no. But, but I mean, you know, I've done pretty much the whole East Coast, you know, the club, club circuit back in the day. And we traveled in a Virgin van, and we had a little tiny little school bus with the uh, ramp back for our equipment truck. And we played a bunch of clubs on the East Coast, and you can get you can get burned out. It's, it's a hard life. Okay, okay, Wendell, can I call you back? The line is kind of breaking up a little bit. Sure, yeah, absolutely. All right, I'm going to hang up, and I'll call you back in about ten seconds. Okay. Sure, no problem. All right, thanks. And in the words of ACDC, we roll tonight to the guitar bite, and for those about to rock, I salute you. Hello again. Yeah, I think that's better. Oh, you got it now? Yeah, okay. I hope it's better. <laughs> <On your end. laughs> 
fine. Are you fine? Okay. Um, so one of the, one of the questions I have is, there, you're being asked to do something, right? Mm-hmm. And they're probably deep down thinking, right? I, I don't think you'll be able to pull it off, but I'm asking you anyway. And you're able to pull it off. Is there anything like that that stands out? Yeah, actually, there is. Um, there was uh, the band called the Deftones. Yeah. And the bass player asked me for a vegetable steamer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he said, he says, he said, it's not a rice cooker. It's a vegetable steamer. He said, they're two different things. And I'm thinking, okay, no big deal. I'll go to Walmart. I probably have 10 of them. I ended up searching the whole area of Myrtle Beach for this thing. And it, it got to the point where it became a quest because you know, I was all puffed up. Oh, I got you. No problem. No, I, I got that for you. No problem. I'll, I'll be back in a little while. And it took me half the day. And finally, after phone call, after phone call, and phone call, I finally found this thing and brought it back. And he was like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> he said, finally, somebody got it right. <laughs> wow. So it was, I, I, I miss it dearly. <laughs> I really do. Hmm. Actually, I'm, 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 um, in the process of writing a book. Oh, nice. Um, about my exploits. <laughs> nice. How's that going? Uh, well, I, I mean, it's mostly in my head right now. I've got a few. I'm doing it the old school way. I'm writing it down in a, in a notebook. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a dinosaur. I don't use all the technology on the internet. I mean, it's just, it's, it's over my head. I'm, I'm such a dinosaur. But um, I'm, I am I am starting to write a book about my, my experiences in the, in, in, in the industry. Because my... Um, let me tell you this one. My first concert ever, I was 11 years old, and it was Elvis. Wow. It was it, Yeah, it was like months before he died, and um, I went with my mom, and I remember we were, we were right up close because um, one of our neighbors was worked for the promoter at the old Coliseum, and he got us really good tickets. So anyway, I remember watching all the stage guys running around, and it just completely fascinated me, and I'm just enthralled by all this stuff going on, all these guys running around on the stage. And at 11 years old, I looked at my mom and I said, when I grow up, that's what I'm going to do. And my mom's like, oh, whatever, you'll be in a band. No, I said, no. I said, but I'm going to be part of that. Okay, now flash forward 20-some years when I'm working in House of Blues, Lisa Marie, his daughter, played a show there. And I got to pick her up and take her to the show and, you know, back to her venue and, I mean, back to her um, hotel, rather. And, um, I told her that little story. Then I said, "I said your dad basically shaped the course of my life," and and she she actually almost teared up over that. She said, oh, "That's really sweet." So I, it was cool that you know I never got to tell him that, but it almost came full circle because I got to tell his daughter that story. Wow, wow! You know, and and it, that one that still means a lot to me. Hmm. You know that uh, that night, yeah. Can you remember? Can you remember the first metal or hard rock concert you went to? Oh, absolutely. February of, of 82, my best friend and I went to see Black Sabbath. 82, that would have it been was Ronnie. The, yeah, it was the Mob Rules tour. Wow, you lucky bastard. <laughs> oh, he was, and I'm telling you what, now we had Ronnie at, at House of Blues, and I'm telling you what, that man was a true gentleman. He was absolutely amazing. I mean, he stood out there and met, he signed, after the show was over, they had, you know, in the back where the bus is parked, they have the parking lot, like, roped off, and people come out there and stand, you know, hope to get autographs with some pictures and whatnot. And I swear to you, because I was standing right there with him the whole time, this man stood in the back over an hour signing autographs for people. If somebody handed him 10 CDs, he signed every one of them. 
Yeah. And he, he was he was he was he was amazing. And um, the only time I ever became very very close to being starstruck was with Willie Nelson. Okay. When he when he came, and he I just happened to be standing. It was weird because I just happened to be standing by the the one backstage door when his his car came in and he, he walked in and stopped and I, I told him yeah, Mr. Nelson yes we're, we're honored to have you here I said if there's anything you need here's my card let me know and he said man I said thank you I appreciate it and you always call me Willie and and, uh, and then he walked he talked to me for a minute and then he walked around the corner and walked up on the stage and met every single person on our stage crew and shook your hand I love hearing stories like that I mean Willie Nelson that man is a living legend <laughs> yeah so, yeah. but, but it was, that was, that was amazing talking to him. Mm. When you're doing sound, right. And it's, you're doing a lot of it. Can you go to another concert and enjoy the concert without thinking, I wonder what the sound guy is doing and how he's getting that sound, that kind of a thing. No, no, I can't. <laughs> and that, that's, no, I mean, I have had my friends so mad at me because of that very thing. That's funny that you brought that up because, yeah, because I'm sitting there picking it apart. And like, shut up, I want your show. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I have been a victim of that very thing many times. <laughs> All right, then, the next, so that leads on to my next question. The, okay. What's the worst sounding concert you've ever went to? Rat. Wow, that was, you came up with that answer pretty quick. Rat, they sounded horrible that night. I don't know what happened, but it was awful. Where was it? That was in Charlotte. That's okay. old, Col- old Coliseum in Charlotte. So that's that's when in the eighties. That was oh god, that had to be eighties. Well, I was in high school, so eighty three, eighty four, somewhere around there. I'm not so exactly that's, sure. That's when they were big. Yeah, and the only reason we went was because Cheap Trick, for whatever reason, opened for them. Okay. That's a strange combination to me, but that's who Cheap Trick, uh, Cheap Trick opened for for uh, for Rat. Do you think that there are venues that it doesn't matter what you tweak, the, the sound is just shit anyway. Well, yeah, for sure, because of the way that places are built. It just, yeah. it's, it's, I've had a battle trying to get things right because of, you know, and a lot of like, if you play little clubs, a lot of them have like old neon, and neon messes with the sound system really bad. Yeah, really bad isn't even really the right way to put it. It downright just sucks. If you remember that scene in Spinal Tap where they're playing the Air Force Base and the radio comes in over all their amps, like, I've had those kind of gigs where AM radio is coming through my amp, and it's all because of all the neon that was near us. So, yeah, I totally agree with Wendell that, uh, yeah, neon, sound systems, not a good combo. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say, outdoor venues are another nightmare i'd say because because of the weather and the wind and you could you just can't you can't control that no you can't you just have to sit there and hope everything goes right <laughs> okay have you ever been to a concert and it's just too loud no because i love it loud <laughs> i can't say no on that one uh the loudest show i ever saw was um motorhead <laughs> i'm not shocked that's the loudest show and we had them in in myrtle beach at House of Blues. Okay, so you're doing you're doing sound for a Motorhead. No, 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 no. When I worked there, I was I was the um, I was the, the honest liaison at House of Blues. Okay. I only did sound like with your know, local bands, which is before House of Blues. Ah, gotcha. So. 
All right. So tell me, you're doing artist liaison with Motorhead. Which of the guy? When was this? When are we talking? The two thousands? Nineteen? Yeah, it might have been maybe ninety eight, ninety nine. I'm trying to think. So that would have been Phil, Phil Lemmy, and was Mickey D in the band then? He was because I still have a drumstick that he gave me. Okay. So who in Motorhead did you get to meet? I talked to Lemmy. Okay. Oh yeah, nice guy. Yeah. Um, we had one, one of my favorite experiences was we had uh, Jethro Tull. Okay. And um, I had to pick Ian and Anderson up, Ian and his road manager up at the airport. So I'm standing there waiting on, on them to, you know, uh, come uh, off the plane. And I see him coming. And so I walk over to him, told him who I was. I see him, I'm here to pick you up. And Ian goes, and I am in Anderson, I played for the. <laughs> and I said, I said, I'm well aware of that, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> so tell what? me about. I'm going to pick your brain again. Sure, sure. Tell me about the guys that you met, and I'm not saying they were jerks, but they were they were just hard to deal with. Um, Eddie Van Halen was just obnoxious. Okay. Um, just, just he was. He, I call it rockstar itis. That's what I call it. Just demanding and just, just you know, bad mood and just, just you know, difficult to deal with. And he was one. Um, Joe Satriani was was another one. Um, let's see who else. No, no, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm no, trying to remember no, my, right. my bad so, list. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you about those two specifically, and then you can mention more. Okay. W- were both of them? For the same reason, or for two different reasons? I, well, I went. Well, what it was, I went upstairs. I was going to the production office for something, and I had to pass right by the the main dressing room door. And Andy was standing in the doorway, and I just kind of looked, kind of nodded, and he gave me this go to hell look, and literally slammed the door. I'm like, okay. <laughs> when when was this, Wendell? Can you remember? Oh, early nineties. Um, had to be 98, 99, maybe 2000 when they were there. Who, now, who was in the band? That was with Sammy. Okay, was that the tour that he was drinking a lot on? Yeah, it was. That's probably but, that's probably explains a lot of it then. Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I really interacted with Sammy a lot. And, and um, Sammy, to me, was a really, really nice guy. I believe Michael Anthony is a really nice guy too. He, he was, he was, he absolutely was. And what about, um, what about Alex? Did you meet him? I, I, well, he, I, he was polite, but that's really about it. Okay. Alice was polite. You know, Hi, how are you? And that's really all I said to him. Hmm. Now, so. right, Joe Satriani, now, I, I've, I think I've interviewed him once, mm-hmm. and you had a bad run in with him. Um, yeah, they just wanted, they just wanted so much stuff. They were, they were mad because there was only one runner, and it was just, a, it was a rough day. Okay. <laughs> was that when he was solo or with Chickenfoot? No, that was solo. Okay, okay. And I mean, he's an incredible artist. I mean, he's he's, he's amazing. Okay. But I mean, I mean, I didn't, everybody has a bad day. Yeah. So you you just have to you kind of just let it roll off your back and you know deal with it. Okay. So any other any other names? You've you've given me guitarists now. It can't all be guitarists. Um. So let's see. As far as artists. Yeah. Um. <laughs> 
I'm really trying to think who I had bad experiences. I really didn't have many bad experiences with them. Most of the time, when I, most of the time, I had problems with the, the demanding crew. You know, most of the time, the artists were fine. Most of the time, the problems I had were with the crew. What, they, they had a sense of entitlement? Uh, just, just asking for all kind of ridiculous you know, stuff just because they can. Name something ridiculous. Um, okay, um, I'll tell you one. They, there's, there's one artist, they wanted um, 1.5 liter bottles of water. Okay? Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't care what brand, nothing like that, but they had to be 1.5 liter bottles of water. I searched and I searched and I searched and, and I never did find anything, any of them, that were um, 1.5. And they were all bent out of shape. And, uh, but there was nothing I could do. I, mean, I could not find them. And then I found out, the, I finally found out the reason behind why they wanted them because that was the only size that fit in the cup holder on the bus. And I'm like, please, really? I searched the entire town for that's, that's why. So I was I was not happy about that <laughs> at all. Yeah, but the bus has got nothing to do with you. You're the venue. Pardon? You're the venue. Right. You know, the, the, that's the tour manager's job would be the bus, wouldn't it? I'm sorry? The tour manager's job would be the bus. Well, no, because they, they, they give the list to me of stuff that they need for the buses. Ah, okay. See? Okay. What they do is they give me, they give me money. They give me cash most of the time. Well, yeah, they give me cash. And they give me a list. Here's what we need. And at the end, when I, whenever I'm done, whenever they decide that's all they need for the day, I'll be with tour manager up in the office and give him the rest of the money back and all the receipts and everything adds up and, you know, we're all good. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was basically my job. But, you know, in between there, you know, if somebody wanted to go somewhere, like Sammy Hagar, for example, right next door to House of Blues is a place called Alligator Adventure. It's like a little zoo. Mm-hmm. And, it's, you know, they have a bunch, a bunch of alligators and, you know, a bunch of different reptiles and all that. And his mother, coincidentally, was in town. So they wanted to go over to check out the, the little zoo next door. So I was asked to go walk over there with them and, you know, kind of, you know, just, you know, be with them and show them around over there. Yeah. But basically, I mean, when it, all, when it all boils down to it, and I'm not trying to sound like it's, it's an egotistical thing, but when it all boils down to it, I got paid to hang out with rock stars. <laughs> were, you, were you a guy that got autographs? No, I collected guitar, guitar picks. Okay, pictures? A few, every now and then. See, well, while I was working in the house, we weren't, we weren't, technically, we weren't allowed to ask for autographs or pictures or anything like that. Yeah. So, I, 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 I was, I, you know, I, I didn't really get into all that. That's To me, that's a fan thing. I, I was trying to be more professional than that. Yeah. Around, around them. Yeah, they were probably thinking they're dealing enough with that and you're yeah, coming they, here. Yeah, they do. They, they, exactly. They want a different relationship. They don't want someone coming up saying, I love everything you do and blah, blah, Yeah. Blah. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, but it was cool to have bands come in there that, you know, back in the day I paid to go see. <laughs> That's if they still had all the members with them, though, because a lot of the bands went the further so, on, yeah. they'd have less and less of the original lineup. That's true. Yep. That's very true. Yeah. Did you ever have a singer come in and uh, the singer was just really sick and they still did the show? Yeah, I do remember one. As a matter of fact, it was a long time ago. It was the first, probably first few months we were open in 97. Fiona Apple came in. And I believe it was, she said she was having like, something was wrong with her eyes. She had something, 
there's something, there was something wrong with her eye. I can't remember what it was. And she was just feeling like hell. And but she she did her show anyway. Okay, okay. So tell me, we've already talked about Ronnie James Dio, right? Tell me about <coughs> tell me about some of the other great people that came in, and they were just fantastic to deal with. Um, Robert Plant. Okay. Was he was great, nice guy. Solo. Um, yeah, it was just him. Okay, mm-hmm. so Robert Plant. When are we talking with him? Because I'm a big fan of his solo career. This was probably oh one or oh two, maybe somewhere back in there. Okay, so that's the Shapeshifters band, I think. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you, but I remember when he did. Um, the coolest thing about that part that night was he did um, Cashmere, and but he's he's all he's into that Eastern, you know, music now. Yeah. You know, um, and he changed he changed Cashmere, and, and it was it he, it was amazing. Okay. What he did with it. So tell me the interaction you had with him then. Just well, that was it was pretty short. You know, all I had to do was take him from the from the venue to the hotel um, before and after soundcheck, and then go get him for the show, and then take him back after the show. Okay. So I really didn't have a you know it was it was you know it was you know slight little conversation. Hi, how are you? And you know I said it's you know, nice to meet him, and I said I said I've been a fan for a long time. And I said it's really nice to meet you, and he was he was very gracious, nice guy. Okay. And who else, Wendell? Um, Widespread Panic. I don't know them. They're 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 like a deadhead band. Okay. They have a following. The kids follow them all over the country. You know, just like the Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. And same type, same type of music. They were like they were a lot of fun. Okay. Um, I got to watch. Uh, yes, did did a short uh, U.S. tour, and they came through, and they started their tour at House of Blues, and. The, the, they were there the night before okay the night before the show now so I had to be there with them because I had to take them back to the, to the hotel when they're done and everything so I had my own private whole entire show yes concert to myself because there was, no, there was nobody there with me rehearsal and you were they, were they were doing a rehearsal the night before and I was the only one there okay I have to, I have to ask you because yes I've had a billion lineups so obviously Chris Squire was in, in there was John Anderson singing yeah, yes he was Okay. When when the show was over, right before they left, John Anderson walked up to me and said, "You know, I want to thank you and everything." And he had when he shook my hand, he had uh, it was a wadded up, um, it was money he had in his hand. It was, it was folded up. It was real small. And I didn't look at it. I just, you know, you know thank you. I appreciate that. I stuck it in my pocket. And they left. And it was, he was the first one to ever gave me a tip. And he gave me a hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah, he's the first one that I ever got a tip from. Was John Anderson? He wasn't the last, was he? Oh no, 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 no! But he was the first. Okay, okay. So, so tell me if anybody else comes comes to mind that were great. Uh, Doobie Brothers. Okay. They were a lot of fun. A lot of big names. Some of these guys are big, big names. Oh yeah, it's funny, you know. Like it's it's like the older the older generation, like from like, like from stuff that I loved when they came through, they were a lot more mellow than these new guys. Because these new guys just think they're just hot stuff, you know. You know what, Wendell? I'm glad you bring that up because I'm doing this show ten years, right? Mm-hmm. And the bands I hate interviewing are not that hates a too strong a word, but the bands I look least forward to interviewing are young bands because they have this sense of entitlement that the older bands don't have. Yep, that's and, exactly right. And it, mm-hmm. that, that goes to being on the road as well. You've experienced that with the younger guys too. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. So any other any other names? One one of the names you brought up in the uh, 
in the message you sent me was Black Label Society. Yeah, they were they were cool. I got to meet Zach Wild. That was that was me talking to him. Okay. And uh, because and, and, really, and it's weird because really the only reason I want to talk to him is I want to talk to him about Ozzy because I'm a huge, huge, huge Ozzy fan. Hmm. I mean, that's I would love to meet him. I've never you know met a bunch of different people in this band, but never met him. Okay. So. And how long did you get to talk to Zach with? Uh, I don't know, but just a few minutes when they were there. All right, was that that's yeah. what I was drinking, was it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. But so, I mean, he was, but he, he, he didn't get out of control. He was fine. Right. So, um, what what beer did he want? Oh, I couldn't say. Oh, here's here's another little short one too. When um, uh, Slayer came in, yeah, um, Gary King walked up to me and he asked me. Um, he said, next time you go out, would you grab me a bottle of Jaeger? I said, okay, yeah, sure, no problem. So I went to the to the uh, liquor store, and they had a little special thing going on. It was a little box set. They had shot glasses, had, you know, they had the, the fifth, had the shot glasses, and a t-shirt. So I figured, oh, I'm going to kick out of this. So I bought that. And um, I took it upstairs and, you know, gave it to, to the road manager. And, he, you know, he said he'd give it to him. Well, about... Five, maybe ten minutes later, he comes thundering down the stairs, already wearing his T-shirt, got the sleeves ripped off of it, already wearing his shirt, come running up to me and grabs me like a bear hug. Dude, this is so cool, man. Thank you. I'm like, put me down, put me down. <laughs> it's just a T-shirt, man. Damn. <laughs> but, I mean, he loved it. Okay. So, did, did you get a chance to talk to any of the other Slayer guys? No, not really. I was kind of yeah. busy. I was kind of busy that day, so. Okay. Um, you bring up Slayer, so I'm going to bring up some of the heavier bands. Uh, Megadeth. I've, I've, yeah, I've interacted with them twice, actually. Once when Dave was still drinking and he was a jerk. Dave Mustaine? Yeah, when the first time I met him, he was still drinking back then. He was a total jerk. What, when when are we talking? Uh, that had to be, they were, they were out with uh, Queensryche. Um, that had to be, well, that was before I moved to the beach. So that had to be in like the early 90s. Oh, 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 that, all right, that must count in there. That okay. was in early 90s sometime. And then, but then we had them at House of Blues in 98. And he was totally different. Hmm. He was totally, like a totally different person. Okay. He came in all smiling, having a good time, and, you know, didn't act, didn't act all pissed off like he did back then. Okay. So. So, I, 98, I'm thinking, right, Marty Friedman's still in the band. Oh yeah, um, he was there. David Ellison and it, I, yep. was Nick Menza gone or was Jimmy DeGrasso playing drums? Can you remember? I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't remember. Okay, all right. I, so, I'm not sure on that one. So I'll go to the other one of the big four bands, Anthrax. As a matter of fact, um, a buddy of mine um, that he got, used to work with me at House of Blues. He was one of the sound guys. Um, he plays drums and he is amazing. I mean, absolutely. Derek Roddy is his name. And he just got done doing two weeks with uh, Anthrax because their drummer was was ill. Yeah, that's right. So so he ended up sitting in with him for two weeks. In fact, he just got home. He lives in I think he lives in Florida somewhere. But um, he just got home, and I I spoke to him just the other day. Okay. And uh, he said he had a ball. <laughs> okay. So uh, you would have had probably in the House of Blues a lot of the eighties bands that were doing clubs. In the 90s. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Um, you, you mentioned Rat in the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, but what what big 80s bands did you have going through House of Blues in the in the 90s? Oh, we had, 
Oh, sure. We got Judas Priest. We had Slayer a couple times. Um, let's see who else was there. We had. Let's go back to. Ju- I have to ask you about Judas Priest. That would have been a Ripper, right? Singing. Yeah, it was. It was Ripper. Yeah. Right. So, and, so tell me about Judas. Because you would have seen the band then, and I, I thought Ripper was really good with them. Right now, he's not he's oh, yeah. Bob Halford, but he's a fantastic singer, and I like. Oh, he is. Did, but he is. He absolutely is. Did you have with with the Priest guys? Well, I, I, I had to take um, Ripper somewhere. Oh, I know. I tried to take him. I take him somewhere. It doesn't matter where. But anyway, we were talking, and I asked him. I said, you know, I asked him about the movie. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, well, how, I said, how accurate was that movie? I said, I said, did, did it really happen like that? He said, well, most of it. I said, so you really did hang up on it when they called you? He said, yeah, I really did. He said, twice. Because <laughs> he, he thought it was somebody just screwing with him, you know? So he, he said, yeah, I really did hang up on him twice. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, he was really cool. Nice guy. What about the other guys? Glenn, KK? Uh, KK, KK was kind of quiet, you know, but... Um, but yeah, the rest of them were really nice. Right, because I I know KK around that that time, especially the second record. Um, he wasn't happy in the band because I've read his book and I've interviewed him, and he basically really? yeah he basically threw in the towel back then. He even said it himself. When you look at that second record of Ripper, he's you know it's a Glenn, it's more or less a Glenn album. Glenn is all the songwriting credits and he produced it. So. That's, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. That's one thing that, 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 I, that kind of bothered me about them. If you look on their back to their records, they're, 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 they're credits, okay? They have to have credit for, Glenn did this solo in that song, and KK did solo in this song. You know, you've got to have your name on there a thousand times on an album? Yeah. Really? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't get that, but that's what goes along with what you were just saying, about the, you know, him having the credits and all that. Mm, mm. But... If they are, if you look on the back, you'll see, you know, you know Glenn gets blended solo on this song, and KK did the second solo on this song, and they have their names on there like a thousand times. At least I didn't think that's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's, an, that's an ego thing to me. True. So tell me about some of the other 80s bands that came through in the 90s. Oh. Iron Maiden? No, no. I would, I've, no, I've seen Iron Maiden. I, I couldn't even count. I mean, they are my favorite, favorite, favorite metal band, Iron Maiden. And I've met them at least three times. Okay, who have you met in Iron Maiden? All of them. Uh, we got, yeah, we was just at Old Coliseum in Charlotte. And um, we were, we were like, like unofficial stagehands. So we had pretty much all access. So we got to hang out and meet them. And they were, man, they were, they were great. I, I couldn't. I couldn't count how many times I've seen them. <laughs> You've probably seen every tour, have you? Uh, just about, yeah. Right. What's the first time you saw Iron Maiden? Eighty-three. Uh, peace of mind. Okay, so you didn't see Diano. No. Well, I, I, well, when I was working at the club in, in Charlotte in eighty-five, the Paul Diano's band came through there and played. Okay. But but back then I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I even spoke to him. I wish I had. Okay, did you see Maiden with Blaze Bailey? I'm sorry? With Bla- did you see Iron Maiden when Blaze Bailey was singing with him? No. Okay. No, I didn't. You just wouldn't go only, see him? Only, no, only with Bruce. Okay. Oh, yeah, only only with Bruce. <laughs> All right. So what about Accept? Did any 
did you did I accept come true? You know, I saw them years ago open for somebody, and I'm trying to. It might have been ACDC, maybe that they opened for. Okay. I'm not. I'm not positive on that, but I have seen them. Yeah, and I know they're still out playing. Yeah, it's just Wolf Hoffman, though. I, I I've seen on on Facebook that uh, Saxon is still out playing too. Yeah, oh, yeah, they were in they were in Dublin. Oh, uh, uh, really? Yeah. Oh wow! I'd love. To, I've never seen them, but I love their albums. You never saw Saxon? No, I've never seen Saxon. Yeah, I've I've I've, um, but, I've seen him a couple of times. I've interviewed Biff over here. Really nice I, guy. I remember having back in high school. I remember having uh, denim and leather on a, on a, a cassette in my car. Mm-hmm. And my car stereo was like just ridiculously loud. <laughs> okay. And I would go in the parking lot playing denim and leather and get yelled at every almost every morning. <laughs> Turn that thing down. <laughs> but it was them. Yeah, it was them. It was denim and leather by Saxon. Mm. What about Scorpions? I saw them once years ago when I was in high school. Okay. I never met them, but now I've seen them. All right. Okay. Turn the thing. One one of my favorite shows, though, was, was getting to see um, uh, Paul McCartney. When was that? And uh, that was in 94, I think. Okay. That was right before I moved to the beach. And we were like in the eighth row, and it was, it was oh, wow. You know, so I, I got to see three out of the four Beatles. Because that's that's, the Beatles are my favorite band. You know, Iron Maiden is my favorite metal band, but I mean, the Beatles are just, you know, to me, just they're it. You know, they're, they're, they're the top of the food chain, in my opinion. <laughs> right. So so tell me, Wendell, can you think of any other hard rock or metal bands when you're do- when you're at the beach that came through that I've missed asking you about? Um, probably Corn, uh, um, Slipknot. Okay, that's they would have been big, big when we they were big then. Yeah, Corn were big in '96, wasn't it? Uh, uh, it may have been. Yeah. No, wait, 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 wait. No, because no, because House of Blues opened in May of '97. Okay, they were still so, they were still a big band though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so did you get on with the Corn guys at all? Much interaction there? Uh, no, because that's another day I was busy and I really didn't even get a chance to talk to them. Um. No, I didn't really have any interaction with them that day at all. Okay. To be honest. Okay. What about the Slipknot guys? Um. Yeah, I, I, I talked to uh, the lead singer Corey for a couple minutes. You know. Yeah, because there's a lot of them. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, there is. That was that was an interesting day, and we had uh, Marilyn Manson. Now that was that was an interesting day because um, their tour manager comes in and uh, gets us all together. And he goes, this, this is the, the rules of the day. And we're all looking at each other like, what? <laughs> he said, no one is to speak to Mr. Manson unless Mr. Manson speaks to you first. Right. Um, do not make eye contact with Mr. Manson unless he makes eye contact with you first. And then, <laughs> it's stuff, stupid stuff like that. And uh, then, he finally says, then he finally says, well, then during sound check, uh, there's to be no one in here but us. He didn't want any of us in the building when they were doing sound check. Was he being serious? Yeah, he was serious. What an asshole. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. <laughs> so. The, the last one I can get, right, I can understand that. But the not looking at him and not speaking to him unless he speaks to you, I'm like. Please. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a little, that's a little over the top. You write songs, you fucking sing songs. You know, you're not better than anybody right. else in the world, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Had, 
was there any other artist came in with with demands like that? Because I've I've heard stories like like some Pret Michaels and all that have have these sort of demands. I'm like, really? Um, you know, no, I really nothing nothing outrageous. No, that there really wasn't. Um, well, was except for okay, <laughs> I, I'll tell it. Um, with Marilyn Manson, they, they get, like I said, they give you a list, right, of stuff mm. that they need, and I. I guy hands me the list, I go, I leave out there and I go outside and I'm getting ready to go and get in the van and I stop and I look at the list. So, okay, where am I going to decide where I'm going to go first? And right in the middle of the list <laughs> said vanilla flavored anal cream. <laughs> and that just stopped me right in my tracks. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Did, did I read that right? And I still standing there looking at it and I'm like, yeah, I read that right. So I go back in. And, and I go upstairs, and as I open the door to the production office, as soon as I open up the door and look at the tour manager, he busts out laughing. Doesn't he knew what it was? He knew why I came back. He starts laughing, and I said, "I said that was a joke, right?" He said, "Yeah, it was a joke." He said, "He said we just do that to make sure the guy, the, the, the runner actually reads the list." <laughs> that, that's their version of the brown M and M's for Van Halen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but 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 that really happened though. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So I'll, I'll mention a, another couple of bands off the top of my head because um, I'm thinking these bands probably would have come through the House of Blues in the '90s or at Dokken. No, they didn't come. I didn't see them at the house, but I saw them in the '80s several times. Okay. No, they never, no Dokken never came to the House of Blues. Okay, White Snake. White Snake did. Now that's funny about White Snake. I've seen White Snake probably three or four times, but every time I see him, it's it's, it's Coverdale and a whole new band. <laughs> <laughs> so they're almost a whole new band. Uh, you know, somebody be, somebody will be different every tour. Okay, so can you remember when the first time you saw White Snake in the House of Blues? Oh, I that can, I can be, probably name the bands. Uh, I could probably that was probably ninety seven, ninety eight, or some early days. Okay. So you, that would have been Adrian Vandenberg and, uh, yeah. Did you have much interaction with David Coverdale at all? No, not at all. Okay, what about the what about the band members? Because I've interviewed a ton of them, and they're all really nice guys. No, no, not with them I really didn't. No, because that was in the early days, and you know I was trying to be all still be all professional and not 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 talk to them and bother them and all that. So. But you, you can tell, you know, you can tell pretty much the vibe when when they come in. Whether you can hang out and you know talk to them, or you just do your gig and leave. Mm. You know, this and, and they're all different. Was, you know? there, was there ever an artist that he just wanted to sit down and talk to someone? You know, just you you sat down, you went in all professional, and before you know it, then you're just having a really good conversation with the with the, with the guy or the girl. Yeah, deal. Okay. Was, yeah, it would have been. It would have been. You know, I would have loved to sat and talk to him because he was he was so down to earth, you know. And he met all of his fans, and, and he just he was great, okay. such a nice. And then one of his roadies told me he said he remembers people. He says if we come back here next year, he'll remember your name. Yeah, I've heard that from a guys in his band have told me the same <clears throat> story. Craig Goldie. Really? Yeah, Craig Goldie, the guitar player. I don't know whether he was a guitar player when you. When you were with Ron, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, but he told me that that's one of the things he, he tried to pick up from Ronnie was trying to remember people's names. Mm-hmm. And and another one that stands out is uh, Dimebag Girl uh, from, from Tarantana. 
Now, that's a band I forgot to ask you about. I'm glad you brought them up. So tell me about your interaction with Dime. Oh, he was great. Okay, well, they played, so it was the year before they played the Ozfest, okay, in Charlotte. And I'm standing there, and he threw a guitar pick, and it actually hit me right in the forehead. And somehow, I don't know if it was ninja skills or whatever, but somehow it hit me right in the forehead, and I reached up and grabbed it. Now, we're, we're probably, you know, six, seven, maybe eight rows back in, in the crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, and I'm 5'2". <laughs> okay? Do the math. <laughs> and this is actually, I, I, somehow I grabbed it. Now, fast forward, they came to, uh, to, to the House of Blues, and it was when Pantera came through, and uh, I was talking to Time. I was telling him about the guitar pick, and I said, yes, yes, that's the only pick ever. I said, I've been to thousands and thousands of concerts in my day. I said, but that's the only guitar pick I ever caught. And he laughed. He said, not really. It kind of caught you, didn't it? <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I guess you're right. It did. <laughs> so, did, you get and, a, um, did you get a chance to talk to Vinny or, or no, Phil, Rex? No, no. But, but when the, the, the highlight for me when Whitesnake came through was because when they had uh, Tommy Aldridge. Uh, and he is just, wow. <laughs> Watching yeah. him is just amazing. Yeah. So... Did you get a chance to see a lot of the band soundcheck, or would you be too busy? Sometimes. Okay. I mean, if it was if it was a band I was into, you know, I'd probably hang around and watch. Okay. Because what I found, and I've been at a couple of sound checks, is they'll play a couple of songs that they mightn't actually play in the set. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've experienced that that they'll like dig up this old song just to mess around with it and at sound check. Well, let me tell you this: we had sticks. Okay. Yeah. And they were doing sound check, and they had the set list take this side of the wall. I was over by in backstage. I was by the, the by the monitors, and um, the monitor board, and uh, they had the set list taped to the wall right there. And I'm, so I'm standing looking at it, and it just finished sound check. And my favorite song by Sticks is is um, Snowblind, and it wasn't on the set list. And out loud, I said to myself, "Damn, it's not there." And the bass player, and I, to the life, and I can't remember his name. Um, was coming down the little steps right beside, on the, off of the stage and walked by me and heard me say that. He said, what song are you looking for? I said, Snowblind. And he goes, oh, wow. He said, you know, we haven't played that in a long time. He said, maybe we'll throw that in tonight. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, right, sure you will. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, sure you will. But sure enough, they played it. And I was standing in the same spot during the show watching and he looked over and pointed at me. He's like, hey, that's for you. Uh, I was like, yeah. <laughs> See, Wendell, there's a lot of bands that can't do that because they haven't fucking rehearsed the songs. They're not good enough to just pull up something like that. There's a lot yep. of bands, there's some bands can and some bands can't. Well, you were talking about sound checks. The one sound check that, that stands out was John Legend when he came. That man is a perfectionist. They were working on one brand new song, and I swear they worked on this song for probably two hours trying to get this right and that right. And the man was, he was very, he was a nice guy, very professional, but he is a perfectionist. <laughs> okay. But, you know, when, when when you do stuff like that, it, it shows for the audience. You know, that's for them. Hmm. So did you have Quiet Riot come through at all? Yes, we did. Okay, that was, was that I, Kevin DeRoe singing then? Yes, it was. Now, I had, I saw the Mental Health Tour back when I was in high school. That was probably, I think they opened for... Uh, it might have been Iron Maiden. Okay. 
It might have been. Mm. But the uh, the mask that he wore on the album cover, you know. The, yeah. Okay, they sold that at the merch stand. Little play with plastic, little wrap around, you know, mask with a rubber band around the back. So I bought one. And it hung on my wall. This thing hung on my wall. Every bedroom, everywhere I ever lived up until we worked at House of Blues. And I found that they were coming. So I took it to work that day. And and Kevin DeBrow was just saying, but where did you get this? <laughs> where did you find that? <laughs> <laughs> and I told him I had it since that night. Okay. And, nice. and all, four, all four of them signed it. Nice. Did you get a chance to talk to Frankie Vinali much? I, I did. Yeah, he was nice. Um, I mostly talked to uh, Rudy. Yeah. Because I've seen Rudy and, and I don't know how many different bands. Yeah, he's got a band every week. I mean, I met him several times. He'd come with somebody else. <laughs> or yeah. I'd, back in the day, I'd, I'd, I'd go to a concert and, I'd, and he's playing with them. Oh, he's playing with them now. Mm. Did, um, but, did David Lee Roth ever come through solo? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> I had big fun. He was he was so cool. What, I mean, what a nice guy. I, I was expecting him to be a rock star. You know, because of the way he is on his interviews and all that. But he, he wasn't at all. He was he was so cool. See, what a nice guy. Would you think he's a perfectionist as well? He was, yes. Okay. Um, yes, he was. Yeah, because I, I, there was some things in his book about the stage that he always checks it out. And, you know, you probably would have seen some of that firsthand. Yeah, I asked him. <laughs> There's an old, there was an old story floating around about their road crew having a, a football helmet with um, bicycle handlebars on top. Okay. Okay, think about that for just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and when Dave came, I asked him about that. I said, did they, did they really have a He said, yeah, they really did. <laughs> he said, yeah, they really did. Wow. So. <laughs> did, uh. Did Wasp ever come through? No, we never had Wasp at the house, but I saw them years ago, too. I'd love to see them again. Okay. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going through my discography in my head here. Y&T. <laughs> y no, no, not them. I, I've never even seen them. Okay. I'm trying to think. Queensryche you mentioned, right? I've seen Queensryche several times. I saw them on, when they, on the Mindcrime tour, and it was an awesome, great show. And then we had them at House of Blues when they were doing like the split, when they did the split. Mm -hmm. And um, he came and did a bunch of mind crime. And um, what was the one right after mind crime? I'm trying to think. Empire. Um, Empire. He did, he did mostly both of those. Okay. But the thing about him was, you know, listen to him on the album, you think, oh my God, this can sing, you know, but a lot of people think, oh yeah, but you can make anybody sound good in the studio. Well, he sounded just as good live as he did in the studio. Yeah, he's well. He's he's a fantastic singer. Absolutely, but there's there's one person that I would absolutely sell everything I own to go see, and that's Stevie Wonder. Okay. I have never seen Stevie Wonder, and that's that would be the ultimate for me. Okay, I don't. Does he still do shows? I don't think he I, does. I don't know. I probably not. But yeah. that would be to me. That would be it. Okay. <laughs> I have three older brothers, you know, and I, you know, I got my music, you know, taste from them, and they grew up in the, you know, early sixties. Okay. So, I'll just, I'll just throw another couple of bands at you. Um, Tesla. I saw Tesla with um, open for Def Leppard, the tour after um, Rick Allen got hurt when they finally came back okay. and, and, and toured again. They, in fact, they were in the round. This was in Raleigh. Okay. North Carolina, 
And yeah, they they opened for Def Leppard. The whole stage was in the, was in the round. The whole stage was spun. Okay. What about the Black Crows? We had the Black Crows in Charlotte. I mean, not in Charlotte. At the um, at at uh, House of Blues. Okay. We did. Um, I didn't have much interaction with them, but uh, that was that was a busy, busy, busy day. Busy day. I was back and forth shopping, getting this and getting that. A lot of times, see, well, when when the bands start their tour, they don't have much of anything. But at the end of the tour, they're, they're done. They don't need they don't need anything. It's, it's, it's an easy day for me. So I loved it when the bands would come in at the end of their tour because it's much easier for me. <laughs> okay, um, Michael Shanker. No, never seen him. Never seen Shanker. No, I've never seen Michael Shanker. Okay. I'd love to see Michael Shanker group, but I never have. Okay, I'm trying to think of other bands. Cinderella. Oh, back in the day, several times we haven't. We even had them in the uh, the club I worked at in Charlotte. Okay, I did. Mm-hmm. Inter- much interaction with them? Um, no, not really. Other than driving them back and forth, but you know, nothing. They kind of kept to themselves. Okay, okay. So I'm going to swing it now to fans, overzealous fans. I'm sure you've had stories dealing with fans that will do anything to get near the band. Um, no, well, see, that was that was mostly security that dealt with stuff like that, not me. You, but you would have seen some some. Uh, well, there was. Things. Well, not, no, not really. Um, there was one night when I was taking Robert Plant back to the to the hotel after the show. I was I was trying to work out my nerve. I wanted to get a picture with him off my phone. And but I'm still trying. I, mean, I don't want to ask him that. It sounded all goofy, and you know, just you know. And I'm sitting there, and I've been thinking about it for you know half the day. And finally, I work up my nerve to ask him. And I and just said, just as we stop at the ho- in front of the hotel, I turned my head to ask him, and some idiot comes running up. Oh my God, you're brother, Oh my God, oh my God. So I had to like you know, and, hey dude, you know, back off. <laughs> that was that was interesting, but it, it ruined my chance to get a picture with him because I didn't want to do it. After, I wasn't going to ask him after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably the best place to do it would be at the venue, where, right. where it's controlled. Right. Well, like I said, you know, we weren't technically we weren't, we weren't allowed to ask for autographs or pictures or anything like that. So you were you weren't allowed. You were actually told no, can't. no. We had yeah, we had to sign a confidentiality agreement that anything we saw or heard there stayed there. Okay. So because I mean, in the early the first season, we had we had movie stars, celebrities. I literally bumped into. George Lucas. Okay. And I was stunned. I was like, um, excuse me. <laughs> I just kind of walked off. And I was thinking, that was George freaking Lucas. I just bumped into. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I, I do miss that place. I, I really do. I miss, I miss the whole business. I really do. Okay. What do you miss the most about it? Or No, no. Look, before you answer that question, what, what's the thing that like, oh, Jesus Christ, I don't want to deal with that ever again? Um... When bands would have laundry to do, <laughs> that, that was the pain because I let it be known right off the bat I will not personally wash anybody's clothes. That's not going to happen. I don't care who you are. <laughs> I'm not doing it. So, but after searching, I finally found a little tiny place in town that did the same day. They call it Wash and Fold. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, they're with you, know, you take it in there, they'll do it and, you know, wash it up and everything, you fold it up and you come back and pick it up. Well, I finally got a place to do it. And that made life easier after that. <laughs> there must have been something that the band asked and you just said no. 
Yeah, there was. Um, somebody asked for a vial of frog juice. And I was like, what the hell is that? And some, I don't know if you ever heard about it, but somewhere out, out in the West, in America, they discovered that a certain breed of toad, if you, if you lick it, it secretes this stuff, and it's just like, um, like LSD, like acid, and you drip off of it. And apparently, somebody figured out how to process this stuff and to, into a liquid form and sell it. They call it, called it frog juice. And I'm like, you know, give me a little time. I can probably find anything you need, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> no clue where to even begin to look for that. <laughs> that ain't happening. Didn't have it on Amazon, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not on Amazon. <laughs> maybe on the dark web somewhere, maybe, but no. <laughs> yeah. So so what's the, what do you miss the most about it then? Just, just being around the music, you know, it's just, it's just the whole vibe that that was there back then. Okay. You know, it, it's just something I, I I always wanted to do, and there was there was no option B for me. You know, um, like I got accepted to East Tennessee State University, but that summer I, I I left and I was going out doing basically like a a free internship with Thirty Eight Special. You know, learning this and learning that. So. I turned down a college education to go on the road. <laughs> mm. And needless to say, my parents were not pleased with that decision. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but it's just, it's, that's what I was going to do, and that's, I made up my mind, and that was it. There was no option B. I'm going to be in the music business, period. So, but, but I've, actually, I've actually sat down and started writing my book. Well, you see, the, the one thing I'd, I'd say to that, and I'm, I've been doing the show for a while now, so I've got to like interview a lot of these people sometimes the worst thing you can do is actually meet them because they can ruin the the impression you have of them you know? I, I agree yeah and that's I, happened to me yeah right can you think of anyone that that like i was just going to ask you can you name if you can can you name a couple of names where that's happened um to where it's where it, it was a, a negative thing yeah because you you would have revered might be too strong a word maybe but you really admired this musician and he was just i'm not talking now about eddie van halen or joe satriani maybe, maybe you have someone else that you hold more in high regard that well i mean your impression of him to be honest it was eddie van halen it was just eddie yeah it was eddie because you know, i've seen him so many times and he was just totally obnoxious but 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 uh, the reverse of that I've seen where I was expecting people to be you know rock stars that weren't, and there was much more of that. Okay. Like, if, for example, Slash, when he came in with Velvet Revolver, I, for some reason I had it in my head Slash is going to be an obnoxious rock star, and he was so down to earth, he was so cool. And uh, I actually had a picture with him on my cell phone, which I wasn't supposed to do. But, you know, but anyway, the statute of limitations, all that's all over with by now, so I'm not worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> right, you brought up Velvet Revolver. I have to ask you about Scott Wyland. Um, I really didn't have much interaction with him personally, but I was told by their road manager, um, he pulled me aside, pulled me in the office, and he said, I don't care what he asked you for. You come and tell you come and tell me first. He said, "If he asks you for a pencil, you come and tell me first before you get it. You get him nothing." And that's when they were trying to, you know, dry him out. Yeah. So he was on a short uh, leash. 
very short leash. Very, very short leash. Yeah, yes, he was. Because I mean, he, he was very emphatic about that. You know, you you give him nothing without telling me first. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. What, what about Duff McKagan? You know, nice guy. Very nice guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very smart guy. He, you know, he seemed to be. He, he was, you know, he was talking to a couple girls, and you know, just, just, just his vibe. You know, just he seemed like he was just a very, very intelligent guy. Mm, mm. So, Wendell, any vans am I missing? I talked about a lot. <laughs> um, oh, good lord! <laughs> I'm trying to think of you know anything that really stands out. Um, um, we had oh well, we had the Deftones. And um, for the very first time, they'd never been there, and um, it was it was Chi, it was Chi, the guy that asked for the vegetable steamer. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, "When I came through the door, I came through one door, and my boss came to the other side from uh, from another door into the, their production office, right mm-hmm. at the same time." And a couple of band members were already up there, and she looked at me and he said, "Thank God you're here. We'll get something done today." I'm like, "Huh? I never. They've never been there." And I guess they heard something about me. <laughs> but that's what he said. That's what he said. But he said it right in front of my boss. That was the best part. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Made me look real good, you know. Um, did you ever have Ingvim Malmsteen there? No. We've never, I've never even seen Malmsteen live. I would love to, though. Okay. Steve Vai? Steve Vai was there, yeah. He was. Okay. Down to Earth? Oh, sorry? He's a real down to Earth guy, is he? <laughs> Yeah, he was. Yes, he was. He, he walked out back and, and signed a bunch of uh, autographs and everything. Okay. Um, oh, oh, here's something. Here's another cool thing I saw. Um, Bob Weir from the Grateful Dead, he had that uh, side band, Rat Dog. Mm-hmm. And he came to House of Blues. Now, the show was over, and everybody was leaving. I was I was in my car. I was The, the band bus was pulling out of the, of the parking lot, and I was just happening behind it, you know. And... Right at the corner, there was a man and a woman and a little girl was probably about 10, 12 years old. They're standing there and they're holding up a sign and they're waving at the bus. Okay, and I'm, I'm right behind the bus now. The bus stops. Bob Weir gets off the bus, goes over to these people, meets these people, shakes their hand, hugs them, and takes a couple pictures. And I'm watching him sign this stuff and he's talking to them for a good 10 minutes. And then he gets back on the bus and they leave. Now, I mean, that's a class act in my book. Yeah. You know, to, to do something like that. He, he, he stopped the bus to meet those people. You know, that's, that's, that's a class act in my book, to, to do that. When, when, Wendell, when did you really see the, the you know, the, the paid meet and greet start for you? Because you would have well, had to deal with, you're dealing with the bands, like you're the liaison, and then all of a sudden this meet and greet starts showing up on, on, on the itinerary. Well, I don't understand what you mean on that one. Right. Meet and greet. Yeah, because a lot of bands years ago, they, there was no meet and greet. Like as a, as a, a char. As oh, a, as okay. A charge, I see right? what you mean. Yeah. So now there's like the paid meet and greets where, you know, you pay to meet the band, you pay to have a picture, you pay to wow. have a sound check. Was there any of that in Myrtle Beach in the beginning where it started showing up on your itinerary that the band had to be at the venue at a certain time for this paid meet and greet? No, not for a paid meet and greet. No, that's that never happened. No, I've I've never even heard of that until you said that. So that, I didn't even that know that existed. Made, that was that's more of a recent thing. When you were in Myrtle Beach, it wasn't really something that was. Going no, on that's that. No, that I never saw that. Never happened. No. Okay. So, is there any other artist other other than the guy you just mentioned and Ronnie that went above and beyond 
to meet their fans? Um, BB King. Okay. Um, BB King, he did his his meet and greet after the show um, on his bus. What he would do, he would have the people would line up and they would go through and they would meet him, take a picture, and they would go out and and go around and leave the bus. And it was just like a, like a, almost like a production line. But he was he was another one that was very laid back. Well, I mean, you know, it's just a very very nice man. He was like somebody's grandpa. Nice. Very, he was. He was very very cool. And I I'm gonna flip it and say the artist that had people waiting outside and just blew them all off, walked right past them. Okay. Yeah. Um, Billy Idol. <laughs> Billy, well, not him, but okay. Um, Billy Idol played that, and he comes out and he meets everybody. And what he, but it was funny when he came in the door. His his accent is so thick. He came in the door and he looked at me. And he said something to me, and I have no clue <laughs> what it was. Yeah. And he said, "Wait." He was smiling when he said it, but it was he's got that real thick, you know, that, I guess they call it Cockney accent. Yeah, the English accent, yeah. And and it's it's very thick. And I don't I have no clue what he said to me. <laughs> but later on that night, you know, after the show was over, he goes out and he signed autographs. And Steve Stevens was playing guitar with him yeah. at the time. Yeah, and the people were out there chanting his name, trying to get him to come off the bus to meet the fans. He never would; he wouldn't come off the bus. He, would, he did not come off the bus. Wow. And for for what I mean, I, don't, I have no idea why. I mean, I you know I can't say, but I mean they were out there. There was probably a couple hundred people out there chanting his name, trying to get him to come out. He, he would not come out of the bus I mean, for, for for whatever reason. You know, I, I don't know. Like I said, I can't say, but well, but he, he didn't do it. They don't have to, but. You know, even stick your head out the bus and wave or something. I I don't know. Maybe it was like sure. A bad I mean, day. you know, you have you have to remember where you came from. Yeah. Okay. For example, we had we had um, uh, who was it? Um, I gave the kids the guitar picks. Anyway, there was there was there was a band we came through, and when when I saw the, the show was over, I, I was going in my car and I saw these three teenagers. You know, and it just gave me a flashback of when that was me. You know, standing there across that line waiting to get, you know, autographs or whatever, you know. And I walked over and I gave them, I gave each one of them a guitar pick that I'd found. And they acted like I gave them a golden nugget. Uh, it was it was, it was was cool to do that, you know. Because hmm. I remember when that was done for me. Okay. So who else was a jerk walk right past the fans? Oh, let's see. Um... I'm more interested in this now than the guys that were nice sometimes. <laughs> a lot of that there, there really wasn't a whole lot of you know where they where they, where they snow. Well, okay okay yeah, one I, I take that back Eminem comes to mind he showed up two hours after the show was supposed to be over that's when he showed up to do the show wow it was two hours after the show was scheduled to be over he showed up and was how and the okay. place was packed we were sold out I mean you couldn't move in there it was it was how, how was he still allowed to do the show? There must have been a curfew or something, no? Well, yeah, well, our promoter finally went on the bus and, and had a little talk with him. <laughs> oh, hang on a second. So he was he was at the venue mm-hmm. and wouldn't come out to play the show? Well, he wasn't even there. He arrived He arrived two hours late, and then he's sitting on the bus. So we're, everybody's waiting on him to come off the bus. What's going on? And so finally the promoter went on the bus, and, and, and I don't know what was said. I wasn't there. But, you know... He came out and he did the show. <laughs> what is wrong with some of these people? <laughs> you know, it's like, like you, said, have, you have a contract. You're, you you're have to remember where you came from. Yeah, exactly right. Play. Get out and play the show and whatever mm-hmm. mood you're in, you can yeah. and take it out 
on some somebody at, at the end of the show. Yeah, and you know, and I saw something else that's kind of kind of changing direction. But I saw something on Facebook the other day, and and there was a debate about um, venues charging uh, percentages for merch. Oh yeah. And I mean, back in my day, that was a common thing. That was standard. You know, it was you know, the house gets a cut. Mm. And there, somehow, there's a lot of people that are just really upset about that now for some reason, thinking it's not right. Yeah, but I mean, I see no problem with it. That's not standard procedure in my day. Yeah, but you have to bear in mind another thing that people seem to re- think that the bands decide where they're going to play, because you see it all the time on, on social media when a band announces mm. tour dates. Why aren't right. you playing my city? Why aren't you playing my city? And my take on this all the time is, it's not the band's fault. Contact the promoter. The promoter books them to play there. Exactly right. You yeah. Know, but some people seem to think the bands decide where they're going to go. It's like not really. Well, no, 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 it's not up to them at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. But touring is it's 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 a grueling thing. I mean, I I I, I miss it, but it's it's a grueling life. Mm. Mm. It's not it's not for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, what's the earliest start you ever had with any artist? Uh, I think that might have been the Beach Boys. Actually, we were like they were there at like eight o'clock in the morning, and uh, it, it was it was a busy day. Um, but it was fun, you know, because kind of considering who was, you know, I loved it. You know, it, it didn't bother me. I was busy now. I loved it because of you know who it was. And so, what's the longest day you pulled? Um, we had a, a, a rap show, um, and I couldn't, I couldn't say a single one of them. There was like five different groups that came and I was on the clock for like 21 hours running them around and doing this and doing that. And yeah, it was, it was interesting. I, I hope you got a tip. <laughs> uh, from them, no. Oh, um, no. <laughs> no, I, no, not from them. But I did, I did the, the best tip I ever got. I'm, I'm not going to say who it was, but, um, uh, um, the tour manager tipped me a hundred bucks, and then he told me he said, "Now go over and talk to the band. They want to, they want to, you know, say goodbye before they before you take off." So oh, cool, all right. So I went over to where the, you know their dressing room was talking to them, and, and right before I left, one of them hands me an envelope. So here's this is from us. I said, "Oh man, you don't have to do that." I, said, I already talked to the, the tour manager. He said, "No, no, no." He said, "This is from us." So I'm like, okay, cool. I stuck it in my pocket. I didn't look at it until I left. I got in the car and I opened it up, and the tour manager gave me a hundred bucks, and the band gave me five hundred. Holy shit! And that's what I exactly what I said. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell anybody about that for a while. <laughs> but the, the the thing with that, you you remember that shit. So when, <laughs> when the band comes back, and they might yep. a, they might ask you for something, you might go a little bit over and beyond to get it. Oh, absolutely. If a musician treats you like dirt... You get nothing. Because yeah. if you come back, you get nothing. Yeah, and, and um, I'd say the word gets around as well. Because there, oh, yeah. there must have been musicians that came to you that you'd never met, that you were thinking, oh, fuck, I've heard stories about this guy. Yeah, I was, it, it, it was David Lee Roth. Because I was expecting him to be a complete asshole, you know. And, and it just shocked me that he was so he was so down to earth and so cool. Okay, okay. Okay, so you think of any other stories, Wendell, before I leave you go? Oh Lord, I'll probably think of ten of them after I hang up. But <laughs> um, oh Lord, but anyway, um, no, I really can't think of anything else off the top of my head. But um, it was it was it was ten years that I just, I loved. There was times where I was sitting backstage and and thinking to myself, look what you're getting paid to do. 
you're getting paid to hang out with rock stars. And basically, that's that's what I, what I did. There must have been times where you wanted to see the band play and you couldn't. That must have been one of the drawbacks of doing the yeah, job you did. Yeah, that's, that's true. One of that, I can, and I can say it real quick, an example of that was Joe Cocker when he came. Okay. Um, I wanted to hear him sing You Are So Beautiful. You know, that's the one song I wanted to see him sing. And I didn't get back. I had to go do something. I didn't get back in time. He's just finishing the last little bit of it as I walked through the back door. <laughs> I was I was pissed. <laughs> hey, you got to be professional. Yeah. Oh man. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't happy about that. <laughs> I missed that one song. You know. Okay. Well, well, Wendell, listen, it's been a ball. Thanks, thanks for reaching out to me. Absolutely, I'm, I'm, I enjoyed it. I'm glad you did. I hope I talk to you again. Yeah, yeah, you will. When, <laughs> when, when, I don't know when you're going to finish the book. Although I've, I've probably told a lot of stories to me. <laughs> yeah, there's, 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 you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff I can, I'm trying to decide if I can actually tell or not without getting sued. <laughs> you know what? I've had, I've had um, guys on, like I had a. Uh, is a promoter called Danny Zalisco in um, Arizona, I think he is. And he's a big name out there. And he was on the phone with me for over two hours. Talking wow. to me, right? And it's the longest interview I'd ever done. And I even had to tell him, like, because I, I called him at nine Eastern. And yes. out there, it's like six or seven Eastern. And I had right. to tell him at like 11.30. I said, Danny, I have to go to work the next day at five o'clock in the morning, right? <laughs> Uh-huh. I was like, oh shit! But one of the one of the, he brought out a book, and one of the, that's one of the questions I remember asking him. And he he when I asked him, he said, "Well, what do you mean?" And I said, "Well, surely there's certain things that happen that you know you just can't tell because you know you'll have to lawyer up." And he's like, "Like that's a really good question." And I, I've had artists on as well who brought out memoirs, and I I asked them that question a lot. And they they have to be very careful in the way they phrase stuff, or or they might put something in negative about an artist. And mm-hmm. once it's in print, you can't take it back. That's so right. You got to be really careful with what stories you put in. That's that's exactly what I'm struggling with, you know. And and because I'm trying to make it a positive thing, I'm trying not to. Uh, I'm, not, I'm trying to leave out the the negative stuff. I might put a little bit. I might do one chapter of you know, like the, you know the, the bad days. Yeah, or something, and but the rest of it's all going to be you know positive stuff that happened. You see, I'm 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 the guy that when I, when it comes to books, I I I like the warts and all because it's real. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like the sugar the sugar coated. Everything is great. All the band members, we all got along great, and you know it's all bullshit, or or, mm-hmm. ha- or a lot of it is bullshit. Right. You know, and the other well, thing. Mine <laughs> Mine won't be. <laughs> Mine will be. Everything in my book's going to be true. <laughs> you see, the thing with talking to guys like you is, I, I, I can talk to the musicians, but I always try and you know, branch out a little bit and talk to producers, mm-hmm. talk to you know, talk to people who worked on the other side in, in the business because right. they always have a, a very unique perspective on a lot of these things. Yeah, and you know, you've told some stories now that you know that might. I'm not saying they're going to change my opinion on certain artists, but some of them did surprise me. Mm-hmm. I was out briefly doing merch with, with an artist, and we got, well, they got invited to um, uh, take a tour of one of the studios in, in New York, in, 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 uh, in New York City, and I got to go with them, and I'm standing there, and through the door at the end of the hallway 
walks this old older man, dressed very distinguished, white hair, very nice, bigger guy, and looks at him, and I, I my, my heart almost stopped when I realized who it was. It was George Martin. <laughs> wow. And, I mean, I, I was just like, oh my! I mean, huge Beatles yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I guess I had three older brothers. You know, yeah. I knew every Beatle, I knew every word, every Beatles song by the time I was six years old. Okay. I had no choice. I had no choice. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, that's, that's the early days when I was doing sound, too. So, and I, and I remember these coming toward us, and I remember thinking to myself, please, God, please, 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 don't let me say something stupid to this man. Please don't let me say something stupid to this man. <laughs> and um, I, I told him, you know, who I was. I said, I'm, I'm you know, early days, you know, run sound, I'm running. And I said, yes, I, I said, if I could learn half of what you've forgotten, I'd be thrilled. Yeah. And he was like, and, and that's the most intelligent thing I could think of to come out of my mouth, you know. And uh, he was like, oh, that's very, that's very nice, friend, young man, thank you. And, you know. <laughs> so after that, the whole trip meant nothing. You know, I met George Martin. Yeah. After that, I, I couldn't care less what happened after that. <laughs> okay. Oh, one final question. You bring up the sound, the sound engineer thing. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do sound for a band and one of the fucking band members went mad with you about something you did? Oh, that happened all the time. That, that's that's common practice. I mean, that could be anybody. That, yeah, I'm sure. Okay. I mean, nobody, nobody huge, nobody big like that, no. But, I mean, with bar bands, yeah, that happens all the time. Okay. What in particular did they want, though? You know, is there one particular thing? Is it like, I'm not loud enough? or? Well, yeah. If, well, for example, I worked with one band that had two guitar players. And, you know, and that, was a, that was a battle sometimes with them. You know, well, I can't hear me. I can't hear me. Yeah, yeah, that was that happened quite a bit. Okay, yeah, because I've heard a few stories about bands and sound engineers because a lot of the bands now, like the the, the bands that were big in the eighties, they'll go they'll go out on tour now, but they don't bring their own sound guy with them, so right. they got to rely on the in house guy. Right. And, yeah, um, and that's and that's a crapshoot. I mean, that's yeah. a gamble doing that. Yeah, it might be good, it might not be. Yeah, and so they'll give demands to the sound guy saying, Here's what levels I want. Mm-hmm. And the guy might just say, Well, I fucking do I'm the fucking in house en- engineer here. I know right. what's best. And my house, my rules. <laughs> they really fucking piss off the artists. Yeah. I've heard I, 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 stories. Yeah, well I've never I've never really dealt with that personally. Um no, not not myself, no. Okay, you've probably seen it though. I, you know, I've seen, you know, seen yelling and this and that. I can't hear this, I can't hear that. You know, but like I said, that's that's so common. I mean, nobody pays any attention to it. Okay. Okay. All right, Wendell, I'm going to leave you go. All right. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. Uh, this will probably be up in the next couple of weeks, and I'll, I'll let you know when it's up. Yeah, definitely. Let me know. I appreciate it. Um, I, I, I had a ball. I had a good time. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're from my own heritage. I mean, I, w- I wish you could see my, my tattoos. I'm all, my whole left arm is all Celtic art. Nice. nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Well, Wendell, it's been a pleasure. Have a good weekend. Absolutely. Right. And I appreciate you. Yeah, take care of yourself, okay? Take care right, right. now. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye. All right, there you go, Wendell Smith. And, uh, you know, as you heard in the interview, too, there looks like there could be a book on the horizon. And uh, if we do hear about that, you know, I think Wendell will probably reach out to Richie, let him know. Um, maybe we have him back on to help him with that. But at least we'd let you guys know, hey, Wendell's got a book out. You can get it here and uh, keep you tuned in on that. But uh, I think next week or whatever, next next time we're on, I think we're looking at Maiden. 
yet another spot of it. Yeah, we are doing a chunk of Maiden albums that are very polarizing. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this will, yeah, I think that one's going to be a downer one. But yeah. But, anyways, uh, for this week, that's it. There ain't nothing more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So, for myself and me, have yourselves a great meta week. And until we talk to you again next time, as always, remember focus on metal. Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.